Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. And we're kicking off the 6 o'clock hour by talking to Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Most recently, a guest on the Paul Feinbaum Show, which gives you a lot of street cred. I think even though a lot of people don't like Paul because he's an SEC guy, it gives you a lot of street cred. Tyler, and you did a great job on that interview. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll forever be indebted to Paul for bringing me on his show probably a dozen times now, maybe even somewhere in the 15 to 20 uh, range. And all I had to do was go up to him in Starkville, Mississippi one day and say, hey, a fan of what you do, I know you busted your chops in the newspaper and uh, online print reporting type of thing before you got to this TV show gig. And <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'll be, be there someday because he's helping me out along the way. How about that? Very, very cool. Cool story. Well, Tyler, you had a conversation with Notre Dame football coach Marcus Freeman recently, and one of the quotes that you got from Marcus was in regard to the, I guess the best way to say it, the inability for Notre Dame to bring in undergraduate transfers, and you put together a great story on this. I just want to read a quote from Marcus. He says, quote, we're looking to enhance it. It's a constant conversation. Nothing is going to just happen as fast as we want it to, but it is a work in progress. I have a true understanding of both sides, but I believe we have to find a better way to make sure that we can get the right kids who have shown to be good students but maybe haven't graduated. We have to find a way to get them to Notre Dame, end quote. This is a big piece of the puzzle, and as you pointed out in your piece, Brian Kelly at LSU brought in nine undergraduate transfers this offseason alone. This feels like, Tyler, a speed bump for Notre Dame as they try to continue to keep up with all the other elite programs in college football. You can recruit like crazy and do a great job, but you know there are times, Tyler, you have to fill in a hole, and a great way to do that is with undergraduate transfers. Do you feel like this is something that could hold Notre Dame back, and are you confident after talking to Marcus this might change anytime soon? I'm actually fairly confident that it is going to change sometime soon. So that is something to be optimistic about for Notre Dame. But the thing is, how much is it going to change? Because that is up to the schools within Notre Dame, as Marcus Freeman pointed out in the interview that I had with him. He said, look, it's up to the deans of certain universities. And we're talking, I don't know, the Liberal Arts College or the Mendoza School of Business, you know, those certain entities within Notre Dame, it's up to them to accept certain credits or deny certain credits from student athletes who are trying to transfer into Notre Dame after already starting their academic and athletic careers somewhere else. So say they take a English class at LSU, that English class may not be worth anything at Notre Dame. And then all of a sudden, you took a class for no reason, and that's where it is. Some of these kids that want to go to Notre Dame after already starting elsewhere can actually get accepted 
but they'd be starting from ground zero mm. when they're supposed to be a junior somewhere else. All of a sudden you show up at Notre Dame and you're a freshman, so you exhaust your athletic eligibility, and then all of a sudden you're a sophomore or a junior at Notre Dame who can't play sports anymore, doesn't have a degree, and you're going to one of the hardest universities in the country academically. So it is a road bump. It's an obstacle. It's something that's unique to Notre Dame because this is not happening, like you said, at LSU. It's not happening even at USC, which is a pretty good school. I mean, they brought in Caleb Williams. He wins the Heisman Trophy. They bring in Jordan Addison, who is the Politnikoff winner at Pittsburgh, and they go from 4-8 and eight to 11-3 and three. a couple of you know, things go their way against Utah, and they're in the college football playoffs. So uh, Notre Dame is, is definitely behind in this. It's just that how much ground are they willing to gain? Because at the end of the day, it's up to Notre Dame to say, okay, do we want to change our values, who we are, just for the sake of winning more football games? Do you feel like it is a major disadvantage for Notre Dame? I do, 100%. Yep. And just because of the... Just because of the examples that we gave with LSU, I mean, teams are completely reconstructing, reconstructing their rosters through the transfer portal. I mean, the USC example is as, as plain as day as it gets. I mean, you remember when USC came here in 2021, and gosh, were they a mess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, Clay Helton had just been let go, finally, right? Uh, I think Keaton Slobus was the quarterback. Everyone knew he wasn't going to be – playing there uh, in a year and lo and behold they go and get a guy that wins the Heisman Trophy and there's so many other instances of this I mean Washington becomes nationally relevant and has a top five Heisman Trophy candidate and Michael Penix Jr. who who goes in there and finds the right situation that's the thing Notre Dame could be the right situation for so many guys but it's just not even an option for them because they're not going to get those credits to transfer and there's thinking man well yeah, and, and that's the, the funny part of this. Everyone really rips student athletes these days for being more so athletes. But this conversation is very much academic in the sense that they also want to be students. They want these credits to mean something. But at Notre Dame, they're just not going to transfer like they would anywhere else. So the academic part of this is yeah. still very much part of the conversation. Different sport, different a lot of things, but look at LSU women's basketball. They brought in a brand new team, and they won the national <laughs> championship this past season. So, so, Tyler, from your conversations with Coach Freeman, I don't want you to give up any really good insight that we're going to read about at blueandgold.com, but can you at least offer something from the conversation that we might have to look forward to from your conversation with Coach Freeman at blueandgold.com? Well, if it isn't the transfer portal, then it's NIL, right? Name, yep. image, and likeness. And I asked Marcus Freeman. I really started my conversation with that. I get 30 minutes in there with him, and I, I, I sat there. I looked him in the eyes, and I said, Marcus, let's get straight to the important stuff because I only have you for this half hour. Let's talk NIL. And he was willing to do so. And the article is first going to run in the preview magazine that I've been kind of touting on this show yep for a couple of weeks now. We finally put that thing to bed. It has gone to print. Uh, it's 160 pages, so it's going to take a little while to get out to the masses. But look for it there first, and then probably early July, I'll be able to run it online. And who knows how much will have changed since then with NIL. With, I mean, you got the IRS coming out last week <laughs> saying that 
donations to these nonprofit collectives aren't tax deductible and you have Nick Saban and everybody else that matters in college football lobbying in Washington, D.C. So some things might change in the next few weeks. But I think that what Marcus Freeman told me about NIL still kind of holds true because kind of like the transfer portal, Notre Dame is in a little bit of a different situation with mm-hmm. NIL as opposed to some other universities. So Freeman spoke to me about that, and I think he was very candid and clear and uh, very open. So his quotes were very awesome. But I also spoke to some other people that really matter on this front within Notre Dame and within the Friends of University of Notre Dame collective that we all know about that's been around for about a year now. So that story is is probably the thing I work the hardest on the most for that magazine, and I can't wait until it drops online as well. Talking Notre Dame football with Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Very interesting. One of the preview magazines had an anonymous coach that's very familiar with Notre Dame, and they spent a little time talking about new Fighting Irish quarterback Sam Hartman, and they described that there's going to be a lot of pressure, a lot on the shoulders of Sam Hartman to play well this year to try to take Notre Dame to the next level. Now, i got to be honest, Tyler – I've been on record saying I think he's going to be the best quarterback since Brady Quinn, and that's bypassing Jimmy Clausen, who completed 68% of his passes, 28 touchdowns, four interceptions over a decade ago. I think he can be that good. But this caught me a little off guard, and it made me stop and think there is a lot on his shoulders. There are unproven wide receivers he has to help groom. There's a new tight end. You know, we thought the offensive line was going to be awesome from day one, and it took him a few weeks last year. So now I'm almost rethinking that maybe this isn't going to be as easy early on as I first thought. I'd like to get your thoughts on what that coach said and your thoughts on maybe some of the obstacles in front of this team with also a brand-new play caller. Yeah, I think all of that is valid, and that's why I took the time to write about it. I know some people are going to see anonymous and dismiss it right away, but you know these preview magazines, Athlon Sports, Lindy Sports, Phil Steele, they are all very good. I mean, they put everything into that, what we put into the blue and gold version just for Notre Dame. So I respect it. I believe it. And I kind of side with the coach in saying that this is going to be pretty tough for Sam Hartman. Uh, there's a thread on our message board, and it might even be in my Hey Horka thread today, saying that, you know, how hard is it going to be for him to go from the slow mesh to just a standard offense? And we saw that in the spring. It was, it was pretty difficult for him. And he looked really good in the spring game when the pass rush really wasn't what it's going to be in a normal situation. And he was able to just stand there and, and find the open guy. But you're right, with the tight end, with Jared Parker being – the, uh, uh, really, a, I kind of consider him a first-year offensive coordinator. I know he was one at West Virginia, but that was a different circumstance, and Neil Brown was really calling those shots. So this is the first time it's, it's really all on him because Marcus Freeman, not only is he a second-year head coach, but he's a defensive guy. So Jared Parker's got a lot on his plate, and Sam Hartman is, is kind of right there 1A, 1B in terms of who has the most pressure and you mentioned the offensive line as well. I'm not sold on the interior with, you know, is it going to be Billy Strauss and Andrew Kristoffic at guard? I don't think – I like Zeke Carell, but I don't think he's a good enough center to kind of overcome some ineptitude around him. I mean, the mm-hmm. guard play has got to be really good for Zeke Carell to look good, right? So th- there's a lot of different things. And, and then you go all the way to wide receiver where who's going to be the number one guy? I'm still not sure. I kind of like Jaden Thomas, but – 
I mean, he's got to still step up from what he did last year. I know he was showing some signs, but 30 catches and 300 yards, whatever it was, isn't going to cut it again. So Hartman has the opportunity to make some of these guys look better. But what I've been saying since day one, you know, since January when Hartman made this decision, they've got to meet him halfway. Everyone on this offense has to meet him halfway and say, yeah, we know you're really good, but we've got to be good too so this entire thing can be good. Because if they don't meet him halfway, we might be sitting there, you know, especially in that Ohio State game in, in late September saying, oh, boy, this could be a longer season than we thought. Tyler, next year at this time we're going to be discussing – does Notre Dame have a chance to make the 12-team college football playoff? It'll be a totally different conversation than what we have this summer when it's only four teams. To me, making the playoff this year is a long shot. As we look ahead to next year, if this year's team was in next year's format, would you give them a realistic chance to be a playoff team? I, too, think that they're a long shot for the four-team playoff this year and that's partly because of the things that we just talked about with the offense I think the defense is good not great right uh, they're gonna have to prove it to me so you're right in saying it's a long shot this year but if it was the 12 team thing then absolutely they'd be right there in it because I look at this team as nine and three ten and two and nine and three is probably not going to make a 12 team playoff it could in, in certain years that's the fun part about expanding it you probably will see some nine and three teams make the playoff and you will definitely see a 10 and two Notre Dame, Notre Dame team make a 12 team playoff. If they have a marquee victory over a Clemson, a USC or an Ohio state, and they kind of take care of business in all of those other games and they're competitive in the losses to two of those three teams that I just mentioned. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has all the makings of uh, a 12 team playoff, participant and I guess I'll give some things away in the uh, magazine that I've been touting but we always do a predictions for Notre Dame and I think there were six of us at blue and gold who did that and literally every single one of us said either nine and three or ten and two and with the 12 team playoff you're right there Um, it'll come down to the wire but it's not going to be you know look at two years ago they lose that Cincinnati game. They still go 11-1. and one, But in the first week of October after they lost that game at home to Cincinnati, you're thinking, that's it. They're done. And it, it was closer than that in the end. But 12-team playoff, you're all of a sudden opening up potential two and three lost teams getting in. And to me, that's a little more fun because it, there's going to be non-conference champions in there. And there's going to be teams that maybe lose two games in the first month of the season, but then all of a sudden are 10-2 and two at the end of it, and you're going, whoa, these guys are playing really good football. They deserve to keep playing and maybe play for a national championship. So uh, absolutely, if this was 12 teams this year, I think Notre Dame would be feeling really good and saying, yeah, we're going to be in this thing at the end. One final question for you, Tyler. You graduated from the University of Texas. You, of course, followed that Longhorn football program, Texas and Oklahoma, 
will be joining the SEC next year. 16 teams, one division, and they stuck with eight conference games. And I saw a leak today that one of Texas' home games will be against Georgia, which I'm kind of yeah. curious to see the black market for tickets for that particular game. As hey, the last time that happened, Bevo went after the Georgia Dogs, so we may have to have we may have to get Peta involved to make sure everything's handled properly. But but seriously. <laughs> What do you think of the SEC sticking with eight games? It sounds like if somebody would have come up with the TV money, there would have been nine games. But for now, they're going with eight, unlike the other Power Five conference uh, conference teams. Yeah, it's it's almost like one of those things that's out of your control, but you still hate to see it happen because I, for one, and this is before Texas even joined the Big 12 or the SEC from the Big 12, uh, you have a lot of people in the Big 12 who absolutely hate the SEC chest-beating thing. <laughs> There's people up here. I mean, we're in Big Ten country, right? If we're not Notre Dame country, we're in Big Ten country. And I think Big, Big Ten people hate that too. And it's almost like the SEC doesn't care. And they're like, yeah, we're going to stick with this eight-game conference schedule model. And you guys can keep ripping us, but we are who we are. We keep winning all these national championships. It's like... I think the SEC would still win a lot of national championships even if they played nine conference games a year. So why don't you just do it and save everybody the the bashing and the online trolling <laughs> and all of those things. So, uh, and, and I would like to, as a, just a college football fan, see Alabama play even like a Mizzou or a Kentucky instead of a Mercer or a Lehigh, right? So... I don't even know if Lehigh has a football team, actually, but I know that they, for a fact... They'll they play, play them if they do. So. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that frustrates you, but you can't do anything about it. And like you said, to start this conversation, I'm a graduate of the University of Texas. For my friends who are still season ticket holders down there and going to all these games and want to make these SEC road trips, wouldn't you like to have one more SEC road trip yeah. or have a, one more SEC team come to Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium per year, I would like to see that happen. So I guess it just is what it is. The SEC is going to SEC, right? It just means well, more. The, S- the SEC does a better job than everybody else of protecting their money-making teams. Because Georgia and yep. Alabama, you're not going to see them playing in the regular season very often. And i got to be honest with you, Tyler, you look at the Big Ten, they're kind of going down that same road, getting rid of mm-hmm. the divisions, and all of a sudden you've got now – some teams like Penn State who have maybe more of a chance to get into the playoff rather than just having to lose to Ohio State and Michigan every year. They're only going to play those teams at least once a year with this new scheduling format. So they're sort of following the SEC blueprint, which is smart. You want to make as many teams available for playoff consideration as possible. Yeah, and you've got people on our message board worried that once the USC joins the Big Ten, the greatest intersectional rivalry in all of college football, that's what it's called, right, is going to go by the wayside because people are really scared that USC is going to join this conference. And like you said, Big Ten's going to want to protect their, you know, everything that they're trying to do at USC within that conference. And I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot of people on those sides saying, okay, Notre Dame's pretty formidable every single year. Nobody wants to have to play a team like Notre Dame in the non-conference every year i wouldn't be shocked if, if that gets wiped from the schedule i i mean i think you got to keep playing it but if you're usc and you look at it and you're like 
okay, we're, we're playing all these big dogs now, and we still got to play Notre Dame? That's, that's a lot. So we'll see where that goes. USC will be saying, well, we can make it a conference game if you'd like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone in the Big Ten would, would love yeah. that. But, yeah, we, we don't want to play Notre Dame out of conference, but we would love to play them within it. Yeah, no question. Hey, Tyler, tell us about blueandgold.com. What can the Irish fans expect coming up, including that yearbook that should be on the way very soon? Yeah, that yearbook will be, if you already ordered it, uh, unfortunately the, the pre-order sale is done, but you can order it all the way through the summer. Uh, you'll be getting it in July if you've already ordered it. If you haven't, order it right now because I've actually seen the PDF versions of these pages, and uh, I think it's even better than last year's. There's just so much that went into it, and uh, it's going to be awesome to finally hold it in our hands. But until then, go to blueandgold.com. Uh, we're covering Notre Dame like nobody else still. And actually, there's an on-campus uh recruiting camp tomorrow that me and my coworker Kyle Kelly will be at. So there'll be a lot of content from that tomorrow and through the weekend. So even in the summer, you know how this yep. business goes, oh, yeah. Darren. We're uh, working our sales off. He's Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Tyler, thank you for the visit. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Darren. More sports beat in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 